0: You're listening to No Dice, No Problem, a new monthly Asians Represent variety show hosted by Drew Kwan and me, Daniel Kwan, on the One Shot Podcast Network. Check out uncut video and other exclusive content at patreon.com slash represent. No Dice, No Problem is honestly like a breath of fresh air for me. I yeah. think... I've been trying to, like, overplan it. I was like, oh, we could talk about an episode where, you know, we talk about the apocalypse. We'll do an episode where we talk about
1: honestly, and
0: and And it's just like every honestly, time we've tried to plan an episode, it's never worked because something more interesting has come up like a couple listen, days before.
2: I say we just let it rip Beyblade style every time, you know, every it time just, it just maybe we wait to name podcasts until after we've done recording it. Because uh, uh, an interesting topic will naturally percolate in the hour or two that we talk.
0: Yeah, I do like the naming format that we settled on. It's just Daniel and Drew and then X. Like Daniel, because originally this episode was going to be Daniel and Drew survive the apocalypse. And now it's. (laughs) Now we know nothing about the apocalypse? Well, yeah, we're not talking about the apocalypse at all. And this one is Daniel and Drew roll up new characters. Because (laughs) literally. (laughs) I was on I was on a a podcast recently called Roleplay Chat. I don't know if the episode's out yet. Um but I said I was talking about our our campaign. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know the party right now, 50% of the characters are not from the starting party." Yeah. Are not from the starting yeah. party now. And now we only have two of the original characters, and I think that's like super interesting. But leading up to this episode, we were planning on doing like a Oh, Daniel and Drew survived the apocalypse, and we talk about post apocalyptic games and how we would want to run a post apocalyptic TTRPG and how oh, that might I'd be different it. from I mean, we should still do that. I like I have it down as an episode we'll talk about. But this past Sunday, your character didn't die in our home game, but your character did make a dramatic exit.
2: Yeah, you know, a noble sacrifice. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Which is uncharacteristic of him, which is nice. It shows character growth. Um so uh, essentially what happened is so I play a character named Adrian. He is a uh dampier, uh though initially human, uh and the way we kind of worked some of it into the uh setting is that he yes, he has to like drink blood, but more specifically he can drink chi, like life force. Um and so we kind of wrapped that up into him being a monk uh, as a class. And he was never a monk in terms of like proper martial arts. He is just he's a, a, monk. He's a street fighter. He's, a he's street fighter. just yeah, he's he's sheer strength. He had bad wisdom. <laughs> he <Yeah. is> just, <laughs> his DCs were awful. Um, but um, yeah, he, he punched real good. He punched real punches good. punches so good. His physical stat line incredible but uh he was just he was a character who is very um very selfish um and just he's very driven in his own way to get the things that he wants and he is absolutely a character who was kind of born and raised to do anything he could to survive which then translated to doing anything he could to get what he wanted he could do anything you know kill anyone do anything uh doesn't really matter the morality was never a concern to him and he was always defined by his uh kind of loneliness um but then he got then he found a wife and he got married and he wasn't uh he was still not great uh but he was better and he was doing his best to um research his dampurism and and get rid of it and and try to turn a new leaf uh then she leaves (laughs) She, she she leaves and that she goes doesn't leave him. Only the literal no. fact yeah, <laughs> she doesn't divorce him or anything. It's just that she leaves to UA, which is the the nation that we're playing in, and uh, she is trying to find the secrets to making him not a Dampier, to curing his his
0: disease. Yes, um, can you imagine though if your original character caught was yeah he's a Dampier divorcee. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he just, just obsessed and he's just obsessed with his
2: ex-wife and yeah he's talking just to his ex-wife full midlife crisis yeah what a
0: twist what a oh twist God. that would have been so <laughs> that you actually would have been incredible that would have been really you, good if, if i didn't know if i didn't know or like or if i didn't know initially and it was just like oh we're trying to find adrian's wife and then you would have told yeah. me at like session 20-ish like oh daniel like like secret they're divorced or or and or he's the villain heel turn. Villain heel turn. What would, what
2: could have happened is you could have done it to me. And you could have said, you know, when, <laughs> when you finally about Christine, and Christine's like, go she away. papers? Yeah. you papers? Yeah. She he, had she hands you papers. yeah. and we were, this, you were this, separated. This entire time, he's just been in his own head thinking that everything's fine. And she's like, <laughs> I divorced you two years ago. Stop stop following me.
0: Uh, but. <laughs> And then how would the rest of the party react? I feel like the rest of the party, that that would be a that would be a party breaking. Moment. Oh, oh, I mean, in that instance,
2: Adrian is just a bad enough of a dude yeah. that I don't think he could be in the party.
0: Because Adrian yeah, that's that's real rough, you know? That's like a that's that's another way that your character could have exited the party. But I think <laughs> yeah. the way your character did exit the party was very good. Like, yeah. sorry, I interrupted you with this... No, no, you're fine. A character backstory. <laughs> but, like, I I love that, you know, your character was... First of all, I love that your character was Blade without you ever seeing Blade or knowing Dude, about Blade's Blade. Dude, Blade's lit, theoretically. Now, now you've seen the first now Blade movie. It. The first we Blade have to watch, is very cool. The second Blade is better than the first Blade, so we have to watch that. We gotta. We Dude, gotta. it's got, like, vampire ninjas and, like, <laughs> vampires that drain other vi- oh it's so good and the second it. one is directed by guillermo del toro oh that's fine uh, it's it's the best of the three blade movies mm-hmm. you're gonna you're a, you're gonna either love or really hate the third blade movie <laughs> well it's we'll, it's we'll see. The, third, the third blade movie the villain is like dracula but he's okay. played he's played by that dude from from prison break um i died not not the main dude, but the other guy from Prison Break. The one who
2: is uh, that guy on Dinotopia or the one who's that guy in Legends Dominic of Tomorrow? Dominic
0: Purcell, the guy in Legends of Tomorrow.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. He actually, plays Dracula. Aren't they, actually, aren't they both in...
0: Oh, yeah, they're both in Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> both the, the, the guy with the thicker neck. Yeah, 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 the brawnier yeah, the, guy. The brawnier guy, yeah. He plays Dracula. It's, it's, it's awful. But the person who makes the third Blade movie is Ryan Reynolds. Oh. And, and, like, Ryan Reynolds is basically playing Deadpool, but this was before Deadpool. Oh, this is, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. This is, like, yeah. the character that's like, oh, yeah, he should be Deadpool. Um, But, like, famously, Ryan Reynolds and Wesley Snipes did not get along on set, (laughs) and Wesley Snipes would not do scenes with Ryan Reynolds unless he absolutely had to, so there's always, like, a Wesley Snipes stand-in for any scene that his face didn't have to show. That's funny. That's funny. And he would, like, to, like, fuck with production or whatever, Wesley Snipes allegedly went full method actor was like, everybody has to call me blade and never broke character. <laughs> that's how he's like, yeah. It, it, blade I don't Trinity, Blade's that serious of a character to have to do that. <laughs> I know that's the, that's the funny thing. But blade Trinity is, I enjoy it. It is not the best blade movie. Mm-hmm. It is the, it is definitely not the best blade movie, but Ryan Reynolds is really good in it. And Jessica Biel destroyed a $500,000 camera with a, bomb. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that. Clip. Yeah. It, it's yeah. a, it's a, if there was a movie, if there was a Blade movie, and you had like a D and D party, like a D and D style party, it would be Blade Trinity because like Ryan Reynolds is like the Bard Rogue, Jessica Biel is like the Ranger, like Blade is like the monk someone's fighter. method acting too
2: hard. That would yeah, be someone's usually... like method
0: acting too hard. Um, but I think you would really like Blade Two, and we should watch it. Hell yeah, um, we should watch it. I don't know if we could do like a bonus episode of No Dice, No Problem where we watch Blade Two. Of course and do live can. commentary? Can we, we gotta figure out the logistics of that, but I think yeah. we should do that. Um, um, but yeah, Adrian, Adrian. your character, <laughs> is like, unintentionally Blade, down to like, oh, you're the Dampier, you're trying to find a cure for your thirst, and you have an old mentor, who's like, helping you cope with your thirst. It was, mm-hmm. it was so funny, when we realized that you had never seen Blade, and this was unintentional.
2: Yeah, I just wasn't understanding the references. And then
0: when I got the art done, for the characters, you just, you're, my character your character looks... look like blonde Abraham Lincoln with a plunging V neck, <laughs> and it's the best. It's so good. It's it's the best. And I was just, I was just so happy that you really stuck with that character. Like you didn't you didn't back him. off with your character concept. You in fact sent me like five pages of notes on him at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that's your character was so different from everyone else in the party. Like Emma's character is your your stereotypical ranger. Like I'm here to just hunt shit, and I hunt shit real good. Yeah. Uh, like Kendra's character is that like hippie cleric. Um, I've actually really liked Kendra's sort of like arc as a new player in d Yeah, yeah. Um, we really from- threw
2: Kendra into uh, the fire with how things progress so quickly in her backstory, so dramatically. You know, yeah, like like right in the first like
0: six episodes or six. Oh yeah, dude, you said six episodes like this. We're like content creators, content creators. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like session five, and Kendra's backstory was you know like I'm I'm this hippie cleric from this like you know uh, what's what's the term the commune yeah and hired Emma's character the ranger to basically help find her brother in Saltmarsh. And then I was like, okay, cool. Well, how am I gonna introduce like my Asian campaign setting to to this one? And we had the ship come in, this Asian ship, and everybody was kind of fawning over it and it was so exotic. And these folks who you now know to be the Sapphire Flame cult walk off of the ship and one of them is Kendra's character's brother, who has been sent guy. to hunt her. That went poorly for them. That went very poorly for them and it ended with Kendra having to dramatically kill her brother yeah well and-, and there was this competing
2: sense of like i think Willa, the character was very um trying to find the silver linings or the the, the kobayashi maru how to how to get through this situation yep. without having to kill uh twig. her brother yeah twig and then my character adrian in his own worldview Literally walked up, I think, with the sword that he'd been stabbed with, that, that twig had, yeah, had handed it to her. Handed it to Willa and was like, eye for an eye, you
0: know? Yeah, and, she, killed carried, your family, and she has them. carried that sword for 37 sessions. Yeah. And she has never used it. It hasn't come out of its sheath. It, it, in my mind, narratively, it's been wrapped up. For 37 sessions, basically. It's
2: rusty as hell. Never clean the as off.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm I'm really excited because on Sunday, we're going to do this big reveal where Kendra will get her sword. She'll get the sword back and it'll be reforged uh, as something that suits her character more, which Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about. That's going to be fun. Uh, And then, of course, we had Mark's character, original character, Singe, who was like this kleptomaniac tabaxi treasure hunter, um, but but a (laughs) warlock. And but he was being manipulated by the big bad from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love that. I Which did love is that. funny because I'm not sure Mark understood. No, that, <laughs> I was just about to say like I, and this is giving like the audience a, a sense of how different all these characters were, and the players too, because there was this moment when the big bad was revealed to be Mark's patron, and Mark had picked like a djinn sort of flavor because he's his his tabaxi is kind of like a southwest asian south asian um in like aesthetic and backstory and he picked a patron where he can visit his patron in like a a lamp essentially and he had sent me the art and it was this like so like this beautiful fiery like literally flaming woman and You know, they would sit in this tent in an oasis inside his lamp. And we had, like, you know, bent the rules a bit so that Kendra's character was able to find a way to enter the lamp with him. Only to discover that the world inside the lamp is a projection of this prison. And everything is on fire. And Mark's character is literally sitting in not a flaming oasis, but in a hellscape. With this armored knight, <laughs> and I was—I remember very vividly describing this scene, and you, Emma, and Kendra being like, what, "What the fuck? This is like, this is like, we're seeing the villain for the first time.
2: It's a big reveal. And it's a big reveal. And we're all putting together the fact that this woman that Cinch says that he talks to, his patron, is—is—is is, is the Flame Emperor." <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then Mark. then Mark goes that's not what I described my patron to look like. <laughs> and I'm like
2: uh, I know that's I you. know Mark. It's the problem. And he's like Daniel, I'm gonna de- I just DM'd you a picture of what I described my
0: patron to be.
1: <laughs> and he sends me a picture of this beautiful
0: very, fire very, woman. very curvy firewoman. I'm like Mark I know what we just singe, described her. I know. I we just described her. I know what singe's patron looks like, or what singe thinks his patron looks like. But Willa, having kind of snuck into this little pocket dimension, is seeing the truth. And Mark was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> That's not what I just described. I <laughs> mean, it took everybody in the group to be like, Mark, it's an illusion.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember when the reveal happened, and my jaw kind of dropped. Yeah, and then it, was it just a, it, kept I, dropping as the scene kept
0: playing on. For, not for the same reason that it initially not for the dropped, same because like for me, I was like, that big reveal for me was first of all totally unplanned. Uh-huh. I did not plan that. Did not plan to, you know, have Willa go in and see this. I thought in the moment, I was like, this would be really fucking cool, and yeah. seeing. Everyone except for Mark's very different reaction. I was like, "I'm a good DM. I'm a good DM." And then as Mark could be like, "Daniel, this isn't what I I described to you." I was like, "I'm an awful DM. <laughs> I'm an awful DM." But like, <laughs> so we so we have like we have all these different characters and very different players, yeah. right? And then we have your character who is like stoic to the point and. Does not take any bullshit. We have like Mm-mm. a hippie, we have like a kleptomaniac, and we have a by the books, risk averse ranger. Because yeah. Emma's character is very risk averse; won't won't like run into danger, and we'll try to like figure things out before. My character is
2: very overt as covert. It yeah, your character like I run in, in
0: and just like start throwing hands. I trigger the trap.
2: Don't give a fuck. I'm going. I, I trigger the
0: trap. Let's go oh yeah. I think somebody heal me.
2: I think every play, I think not every player, I think every party needs someone who's a bit more risk-averse and someone who is not very risk averse. Because you need someone to push the envelope to push like break down the door and just get the scene going, while you need someone else to rein people back when it gets to be like everyone's too much, like no one's thinking. And when you, you literally know?
0: say break down the door an initial running joke was Adrian kicks down every single door.
2: Yeah. Because, (laughs) yeah, because we were constantly in situations where there were enemies on the other side of the door. So he's not going to just like open it, like fiddle with the lock. He's just, who who gives a shit? Who cares? We don't, we don't, we don't
0: have a rogue. I kicked out the door. It's really interesting because initially it was like, oh my God, every door is now dangerous. Every door is a trap. We, we have to check. We have to like examine every... And you were just like, I, check with my I don't foot. give a Boom. fuck. I check with my foot. I kick it down. If there's a trap, I'll take it. I'm fine. We have a healer. Um, <laughs> But it was so interesting to see your character progress because mm-hmm. we were in our big boss fight. Yeah. And it was like a big boss fight that took two sessions to fight. Yeah. It took two sessions. I had rolled up rolled up. I had written a dark souls like boss. It had three stages and each stage it had different abilities, it had legendary actions. It was dope. It had like a a total of some, some over 300 hp. Yeah. Uh w- between across all of its phases. And we had set up this scene so well as a group because, you know, the party had made it to Old Dragon's Nest, which is the capital of the Land of Blades, and you had met the king and queen and you had completed one of your big objectives, which was to bring this NPC back to his family. Yeah. Um, and while you were kind of trying to learn more about your main meta plot, which was finding the Flame Emperor and learning more about this very shadowy villain, you had gone to this um, sort of low-key mercenary tavern, mm mm-hmm. And we had described... You know it. You know, becoming nighttime, and I, if I recall correctly, your character and Mark's new character, Jin, who is a soldier, had gone outside, and you spotted this like shooting star, and it just kept getting closer and closer and closer until you realized that it was like a, a meteor falling onto Old Dragon's Nest, and it strikes basically the heart of the capital, sending the shock wave through the city. And we had this big dramatic scene where everybody kind of sprung to action to try to save people in slow motion. It was super cool. After that, you rush to the capital to find that this fiery knight is walking into the throne room. Massive sword drawn, shrouded in blue flames. And the king and queen are kind of standing there. Their guards are all dead and there's smoky ash hanging in the air all around them. You're like okay, it's boss fight time. Go to the boss fight, and this boss just starts fucking you up. Like you wrong. folks had some initial really good momentum. Like Mark burned a whole bunch of spell slots to deal like almost 150 damage in one hit. It was really impressive. It was like super impressive. Mm-hmm. And there were all of these um, sort of flame sworn. And these are these mm-hmm. monks that I had made who who can basically hide in in ash and smoke. Uh, they were coming out and they were fighting you, and you were like taking them down. It was really dramatic. But once the boss was nearing its third phase, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something dramatic, and I threw up a wall of flame between your character and the rest of the party. Now, up until this point, your character had been kind of teased with the yes. potential for taking on this power. We yes. had a different a couple of sessions ago. We had a different Sort of it was quite an encounter, but the NPC Dawei that you were um, escorting had been horrifically burned by these flame sworn monks in another encounter that you folks survived, and he had this lingering sort of divine flame in his wound. Mm-hmm. And you were like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna suck out the venom. I'm gonna suck Dawei. <laughs> oh god! I'm <laughs> gonna. I'm gonna. Su- I'm going to suck out this like force.
2: Yeah. Cause I was like, I was like, uh, Daniel, he, he, we could, drain you, Chi. Right. Yes. And you were like, uh-huh. And I was like, is that basically Chi? It's just like an overwhelming version of Chi. Right. It's like divine versions of it or
0: whatever. Yeah. I suck them. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was like, okay, cool. Now, You and I have been, like, talking privately about Adrian's – Adrian would – in order to find his wife, Adrian would do anything. Yeah. Including – But that was always
2: posited as being probably not a good thing. Like, that is that is not a character strength. That is a flaw. That he would do anything. That is a bad thing.
0: Turning to the dark side is one of those things. And so you said, I would be okay doing that. And so, when you said, okay, well, I'm going to drain out this power, it now entered Adrian, and we had this really dramatic scene where he had saved the NPC, who had been with the party for, like, 15 sessions. It wasn't, like, a like a little side quest. He was, yeah. like, a member of your crew for a really yeah. long time. Yeah, and the only like we were surviving attached member, to him. Very attached to him. Um, and, and you had this power, and it was overwhelming you, and the party was literally holding you to try to stop you from basically turning
2: yeah, this because yeah that could
0: have been a moment when you left the party
2: yeah because the he had drained the 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 flame emperor sort of chi or energy out of Dawei and uh he was experiencing like power overwhelming like his you know his, mm. his very muscles struggling to contain it um but we had we had kind of we had written in the backstory that at one point um, when he was just a lowly bachelor, you know, he he had become incredibly strong because he had lived this life of like wanton like greed and desire, where he was just chomping on people, and he would he became so powerful. He was basically like a level twenty monk, essentially, yes. in terms of power scale. And so I think that's what probably kept him alive in that moment was that his body, even though he is very weak at this point, or he was very weak because he had uh during his marriage and in the years after had stopped uh feeding like that he had become you know reduced down to what did we start at level 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 one we started level at level one, one. yeah yeah we yeah.
0: started at level one and yeah, so uh um, you were like you went cold turkey
2: yeah basically uh which was went very well for him he was really enthused totally. by that lifestyle <laughs> um but uh still his body is trained to handle that amount of raw energy so it was probably what kept him alive in that moment. But I, I definitely thought it was interesting to have this moment of pure selflessness because he knew it was a risk. He knew that he could die from it. Um, but he wanted to save Dawei in a moment where he was quite rare. He wasn't thinking about his own safety or his own goals. He was thinking about the safety or goals of someone else. And then as soon as he's empowered by it, Suddenly that's when the temptation is creeping in of I could do anything with this power. You could co- is, go back to being a level 20 monk. Yeah. This is he in, in his brain he's thinking, This is what it felt like to be what I used to be. And if I was what I used to be, I could do anything to get my wife back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100 percent And it's it was It was like a really cool moment because the other players were essentially it was this big narrative scene. There was like next to no, there was no dice rolling. No, no, And the players, it was all role play. And they were like calling to you. Yeah. To be like, why are you doing this? Because they weren't privy to the conversations you and I had. And what ended up happening was Mark, who had, who has this really powerful sword. Yeah. um, That is, that has literally, that had literally changed his character from a dwarf into a dragonborn. um, Because he became the avatar of this uh, rain deity. And he basically extinguished the power mm-hmm. or counteracted the power. And there was this massive explosion as the power got vaporized and it blew up this hotel that you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was this cool moment where you almost turned. But then yeah. in this boss fight, circling back, you were given the chance again. In a fight that, honestly, you folks probably would have lost if... Emma hadn't used the one-shot sort of item I, I gave.
2: I I think we might have. I think we would have won. However, okay. I don't think we would have won without at least one or two of the four dying.
0: Correct. Yeah. Sorry. A fight. You, we would have suffered. Not all losses. of you. You would have. You not all four of you would have made it out of that fight. Yeah. Um. And so.
2: Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no. no go ahead. Uh. So this uh big bad boss who's like a direct a very direct lieutenant or servant of the flame emperor was like you have the choice once I give it to you again if you join us you're powerful baby that's exactly how you yeah, heard no. <laughs> it <laughs> that's how you heard it, hey, baby. How you heard it.
0: Um, and so there's this wall of fire and he's presenting you this flaming blue orb that was floating in his hand and you're like I take it and literally like Mark Kendra, and Emma were like what the Fuck. (laughs) And I basically say, okay, wall of fire goes down and everybody sees Adrian flanked by this boss, the firebringer, and two Flame sworn. And there's this weird, I describe this, localized sort of shift in gravity as all of the tiles in the throne room are ripped out Mm. and begin floating all around you as you take on this fiery power and as you take on this fiery power all of these tiles turn to basically liquid glass and begin adhering to your body forming this sort of jagged armor all over and the party m- makes this realization that you've you've basically accepted this power the char- their characters mm-hmm. make this realization that you've accepted this power and you're turning to the dark side essentially and as the armor sort of begins forming around your face, I wrote down what you said. I was like, do you have any last words for the party? And you you literally said, I thought, tell Christina, your character's wife, I thought this was the only way. Tell her I love her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Adrian, the boss, and the two remaining uh, Flamesworn vanish.
2: Yeah, because... As part of this power, he said that he would, he told the guy that he would take it if they left, uh, left this entire city alone. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you keep my friends, you know, the king and queen, well, at least the queen. Kings yeah, of tower. we're gonna, we got gonna deal yeah, okay, with the king. Yeah. That's a uh, good story. Um, and then the people in the city, if you leave them all alive you know i'll go with you i'll do whatever you want um and what i thought was you know so so from the beginning i wanted to play a a, a real asshole of a character and uh one that was very selfish and only thought about himself or the things that he wanted and who was a very solitary kind of person he does he does not have much in the way of group thinking he just thinks about it from his own perspective he doesn't really think about other people in that way not usually and over the many many sessions of playing i wanted to slowly develop that into a character who did care like he may never be the most empathetic loving of people but that doesn't mean that he couldn't slowly maybe regain some of his humanity and so i thought it'd be a cool juxtaposition to have it so that when he could have taken it just for the sheer power trip and selfishness of his own goals he did not and then when it came to making that sacrifice to save other people he will turn to the dark side so so he's still willing to do anything but for different reasons
0: yeah yeah and i thought you it know? was a great moment thought it was a great moment and i mean it's saturday the 25th of february right now and Tomorrow we have a session which you forgot.
2: I listen, you I for- thought it was next you week.
0: For- you forgot, but
2: because last Listen, the Saturday, perils are bi-weekly sessions and we play in an off week.
0: We played in an off week on a different day too, um because we had to. we had to we had a scheduling conflict. But yeah, we've got a session tomorrow and you need to roll up a new character. This one looks like a very
2: very Chinese uh Abraham Lincoln.
0: <laughs> Look. <laughs> 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 so like we thought that this would be a good episode of No Dice No Problem to, to actually just, like, focus on, you know, your new character and kind of give our listeners some insight into AR Home Game, which also, coincidentally, is the setting for Wandering Blades, the sequel to Dungeons & Asians. Fuck yeah. Um, I'm super hyped about that. But I wanted to know, like, I know you, you haven't, you don't have a character ready for tomorrow yet. Uh, but I want to know, like, what, what did you want for your character? We were, you know, after the session last week, we kind of played around with some ideas, mm-hmm. but you said you wanted some time. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I totally
2: to, used that time.
0: Yeah. And I was like, oh, Drew's going to come up with something thoughtful. And no, I guess I would, I guess <laughs> you did. Um, but like, I'd love to know like what your thoughts are on your character. Like, Is there a class that you want to play? Mm -hmm. So,
2: when it comes to my thought process, you know, so my thought process changes depending on where we're at in the story or in the campaign. So, right now, uh, my understanding of things is that we're, I don't know, we're in the back half of the campaign, right? Yeah, we're in the back half of the campaign. you know and so while that doesn't mean that i can't have a character that has a meaningful personal story from my perspective i want to emphasize those characters that have already been around and are still having their stories and i i want to emphasize the wishes of those players or how they feel about things so for instance um kendra who you know who plays willow willow is a, a, a druid uh sorry not a druid a cleric cleric um and is uh you know, Kendra
0: does not quite like having to be a heal bot. Uh, yeah, we and we've let Kendra change change her change around her character quite sure. a bit. Because like, Kendra took some levels in Fighter. Um, but then and I feel like this is like, oh, Daniel letting people just change their character. So after last session, we were like, uh, like, you know, Mark is a paladin now, so Mark can heal. Emma can also heal, you know. Kendra has obviously healing, um, but with Adrian gone, like Kendra's like, I don't feel like Willow's kind of aligning with how I narratively have been playing her. Can I kind of like walk back my levels of fighter and just change those to cleric? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Go also, three levels in
2: fighter nothing. and a bunch of levels in uh, cleric is uh, a nothing sandwich of a combo, unfortunately. It doesn't really coordinate with each other very well at least in my brain it doesn't really synergize particularly well um
0: you mean mechanically or narratively uh mechanically
2: narratively yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I narratively
0: it. it made sense for for a character um but yeah like mechanically it didn't make sense and i think kendra changed her character just like full-on cleric but yeah. um and we with an emphasis about, on non-healing spells
2: yeah and we were talking about like oh well if you want to emphasize the fighteriness of it you could go the war domain for cleric right but the issue with because there's yeah there's a war domain right yeah Yeah. she
0: wanted trickery she had she, she wanted trickery
2: the things that kendra loves about willa or the skill sets that she has as willa is the trickery stuff but she often feels like she has to conserve her resources to do a bunch of healing so she doesn't do any of the trickery stuff and so i was then thinking okay well when it comes to creating a character yeah, I could just there there's a couple roles I could fill in. I could fill in another frontliner, another DPS kind of person, or uh something like yeah. that.
0: But we know Mark's character can do that, no problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or I can create a character who can specialize in doing anything the party can't do. So I can be a real, real skill monkey, you know, and just yeah. be good at every skill that I can possibly be in. I can do enough healing to take the, you know, the brunt of it off of Willa, and I can just focus on doing those really background support things um, that are, yeah, admittedly, to I wouldn't say all, but to many, not the most interesting things about the game, especially during combat. Um, so, to that end, and we were, I was thinking at least, uh, playing the uh, College of Lore Bard. You know, and we yeah. were talking about being like a court scholar, you know, who specializes in knowledge.
0: Yeah, because we were going to say, like, how can a new character join the party at this point? And I think we we definitely settled on the fact that they could either, you know, it would be very easy to basically say the queen has now mandated that a member of the court join the party because now this is personal. Yeah. Um. The The capital has been devastated and we've already sown the seeds of civil war because. Oh, yeah you folks had found that the Prince of the South had started minting his own currency. What a guy. And Mark's new character, Jin was also basically exiled from the military of this land because he had discovered a conspiracy in the South between the Prince and the villainous Sapphire flame cult. Mm-hmm. Um So it would make sense if like the, the queen who in my world is like known for being a collector of knowledge might send you know, a a lore keeper with the party, seeing this as an opportunity to have a book that was unique uh, across all of the Radiant Lands, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. if you chronicle this adventure, there will only be one copy of this story and I, the queen, will own it. Or, hey, this this is something that has never been documented before. We have this unfinished mega history book. You have to finish it.
2: Yeah, I think that that'd be quite interesting. I actually think it'd be interesting to play a real coward. You know? Yeah, the complete someone, opposite. Someone who is just not—he is not a
0: fighter. He just is a real, real nerd. He's yeah, a real nerd. He's not
2: a fighter nor a lover. He's just a real, <laughs> real knowledge-driven nerd. <laughs> He's
0: just excuse me, but that's not what this book says. I,
2: I'm married to my work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We also we also thought we also I had also asked you like would you want to take on the role of Christina, Adrian's wife? But you said no, and I was like, "You know what? That's cool."
2: Yeah, I I I think it'd be interesting. Um but at the same time, I don't know. I think my brain just wants to 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 change it up a bit.
0: Yeah, totally, absolutely. Because uh, the way I had been role-playing her is like this really badass doctor-turned-assassin. The most dismaying
2: thing to to Adrian, and I had always designed this to be a little bit of that like toxic Beauty and the Beast, Like, and I, and I had known that throughout the entire thing of like, ah, so you're this guy who can't control himself meets a woman who allows him to control himself or, or kind of impresses those controls on him. Makes him more of a human uh, of a, of a guy, uh, and then when she's gone, he just goes berserk because he can't control himself. He's just you know he he was always designed to be that sort of toxic man. He was like he's the know. most
0: toxic character of the party.
2: Oh, for sure, he was always designed to be that way. Um, and part of it was going to be an exploration of like that, you know. And he does not need a wife to control himself. He can learn control. He can learn control and self discipline. Like a good individual.
0: You know? Hey, and, and look, maybe Adrian will return at the end because he's not dead. Right? He's I wanna, just.
2: I want him to be the new Flame Emperor.
0: Yeah, like maybe you folks fail and Adrian becomes the Flame Emperor.
2: Or we succeed and he still becomes the Flame Emperor. Yeah, or yeah. Just maybe, a nice
0: version of one. Yeah, somebody has to hold on to this power and yeah. maybe it becomes Adrian. Well, and you and I did talk about him potentially becoming the Flame Emperor or the avatar of this fire god uh, at the end of the adventure. Um, because I, I've been kind of thinking, how long is this going to go for? Sure. Uh, I do want to get the characters to level 20. Uh, yeah, because we, um, I had, um, I had uh, promised I'll never say no. The characters will get to level 20. Um, but I think there are more stories to tell because we have this civil war coming up. And if we're going to continue with me being the DM, I think it might be interesting to play as different characters. But this would be set during this sort of civil war post sure. you know yeah. the destruction of the capital and after the Flame Emperor is defeated.
2: Personally, I do like series of campaigns that are set in the same time frame or are set in a sort of linear progression of that timeline where, you know, basically the next set of characters pick up where the last ones leave off and the last ones and they're not gone. They're still they're agents. there. They're still agents within the realm. They're still doing things. Uh, but you get to hear of them as these legendary level twenty characters, you know. Yeah, they're doing exactly. Big, they're doing the big boy shit, you know, while you're you're
0: back at level one, baby. <laughs> so yeah, go bring these supplies over to this for, over to this base.
2: Yeah, um, um, yeah.
0: I also have to check in with the rest of the group because I know that you expressed interest in doing sort of like a military style campaign.
2: Um, oh yeah, where we play like in the military, while play in, in the military, attacking. and we yeah. might do
0: mass combat and stuff like that. I know Mark would be interested in that, but we'd have to check in with uh, Emma and Kendra to see if, if they would also want to do that. Yeah, um, I'm down for anything, personally. We you could also me? go the route of like, you know, you are sort of like assassins. And so instead of being soldiers, you can contribute to the war through the shadow, like from the shadows. Yeah. Um, we can do something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i excited for like this one phase of the campaign to end and for new characters to sort of emerge. And we're kind of getting everybody used to that with the fact that now half of the party are, are now characters that weren't there from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of your new character, though, become being sort of like a lore keeper, like yeah, somebody I, who isn't good at combat, like a pure support character.
2: Yeah, and I like this. Like maybe he postures himself as being fairly brave, you know, or maybe he has has that like maybe almost like narcissistic confidence. (laughs) Yeah, he's like a narcissistic confidence in himself. Uh, And that is proven to not be true when shit hits the fan. Uh, And maybe that's his character journey. He doesn't need an elaborate backstory. It's about what happens to him during the rest of this. uh, So so you're going to play
0: an arrogant academic.
2: Yes, who gets proven real wrong when they have to go do the thing,
0: or you know when they actually counter the real the reality of the world outside of the book
2: yes, yeah, yeah he,
0: he's he's an armchair for sure, uh, yeah, an armchair scholar love that. Yeah. I actually really like that idea because um, I think it would push the other characters to um lean more into their roles, but also what their what their what their actual me- characters can mechanically do. Like it would push, sort of, yeah, Kendra to lean in more on yeah. You know, we've got the support character who could heal. Let's see what you could do with your spells when you're not holding back. Or hey, you know, Jin, Mark's character, you're the tank now. You have to protect everyone. And Emma, you're the ranger. You have to support Jin if Jin's if Jin's up there.
2: Yeah, and I, I like this idea of this character may know more about various things than the rest of the party he's a he's a lore bard he'll have expertise in a bunch of shit you know he's a real nerd um but i like this idea of playing a character who may technically factually know more than the other players even in their own specializations but he doesn't have that lived experience he doesn't have the nuance or the context required to fully grasp and understand what that reality is like he just knows facts that are almost
0: useless so you're talking. You're literally every single archaeology student I've taught who has never done field work when they go into the field for the first time. Oh yeah, 100%. and they're just they're just like, why
2: is it so hot? <laughs> why is it so hot? Why is it so hot or, here? Yeah, you get taught like really technical things in the classroom, and then you get to the field site, and just
0: nobody gives a shit. Like nobody gives a fuck.
2: Like yeah, that the, you know that thing does not have to be that properly done. Nobody cares. Dig you
0: know? <laughs> faster. Yeah, dig just- faster. But what that, if there's something
2: that, like that, a that, centimeter below and I and I disrupt it? Don't care. Don't Fuck,
0: dig faster. We've if got it breaks, we glue it back together. <laughs> yeah, if it breaks, it's already broken. It's <laughs> we already have a broken. Three
2: week season, you gotta get on it.
0: How many how many undergraduate students I've had be like, Daniel, what do you think this pottery is? Don't care, throw it with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> it, keep moving. It, it, yeah, it's uh I, I think yeah. it's gonna be interesting
2: i remember my first my first uh field school uh i held up just a random pot shirt to a professor and he, i was like look at this it's cool he goes i don't he literally went i don't care just put it with the rest of them i'll put it with the rest and, of, you, uh, and then he was like it's a diagnostic and i looked at it i was like no yeah don't care the body I, shirt uh, so then later later on i handed up like a die, like like the foot of something or whatever and he was like
0: Still don't care. But I was like, it's diagnostic. Don't care. Don't <laughs> care. So so for the non-archaeologists here, when we're talking about like diagnostic pot shirts, we're looking at we're talking about fragments of a ceramic artifact that are um indicative of a certain component. So it's not from like the body of it. It could be a rim, it could have like a a piece of the base, it could have like a foot or something or a handle, something like that. Those are more I've indicative had- of very styles. That yes. we can date easier, yeah. Yeah, and you can, um, yeah. They're all if it's just also a slightly curved <laughs> body,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's just a slightly more, if if, if it's a uh, slightly curved body piece, uh, everything has a slightly curved
0: body piece on on yep.
2: pottery. Uh, that means nothing. Almost. Do you
0: know how many spindle worlds that I found? <laughs> so for um, for folks who don't know, a spindle world is like a um, like a disc. Uh, typically, with like a hole in the middle, and it's used to maintain the speed of a like uh of like during textile production, essentially. And the when you're making string, if you're taking like fibers and you're like literally spinning them into like an actual uh, cord, uh, you'll use like a spindle roll for that. People in antiquity would often just take a broken piece of a pot drill a hole in it and you've got a spindle whirl. And I've had to tell so many undergrads that is not that interesting. Yeah. Put it with the rest of them. Or like that time I was in the, and like, look, I've been guilty of that as well. Like I I thought, I, I've i told the story of when I, fe- I thought I found a sword.
2: Did I tell you that story, Drew? Uh, Maybe, I don't remember.
0: I thought I found a sword. Um, okay. So I was in this, uh, I was leading this unit and we had found like arrowheads and teeth, and in my mind, this was like my like second dig. I was like, oh, I was like this story of conflict in this like in this little <laughs> unit okay. that I was in. Um, and there was this door that had been blocked. We had actually found a doorway that had been covered with like rocks, like they had blocked it in. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, what are they sealing in? Well, what is this? So and we happened. found this like piece of metal, and it looked like the hilt of a sword and me you know being like a you know a D nerd i was like this is my moment i've discovered a sword and like i had okay. found like cool things before like i'd found like a little bone d6 i'd found some jewelry before
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so i was like you know like i had a little ego and so i sure. called the director of the dig over and i was like i was like i think i found a sword and she looks at me and she's. First, like, okay, let's see it. It starts calling people over. Oh boy. And I think she genuinely believed me. Like, sure. Like, genuinely believed me. And I believed that, like, I wasn't being an idiot. And I started, (laughs) you know, excavating it. And it turned out to be a piece of modern rebar.
2: Nice. And
0: it was maybe, it had been, it was like a foot and a half deep. It had, there's a, it was plunged a foot and a half deep into the unit, so that meant that the next foot and a half completely contaminated. And it was one of the most embarrassing things <laughs> in my career. On the hey, other hand, you know, like I've seen like scholars very much do exactly what you're talking about for your new character. Like, I found this figurine, it was like a Neolithic figurine, it was like 6,000 years old, not a big deal, And and it was yeah, like very clearly. And when I looked at it, I, I found it, and I was like, oh, it's a busty lady. Um, And the other okay, scholars yeah. on the site, this is in China, and uh-huh. my, like, old doctoral supervisor were just like, oh, like, what are, like, the shamanic implications of this? Do you think that this is an animal? If this is, they did have a, we do theorize that they had an animistic religion. What could it be? And they were debating, like, is this a fox? Is, is this, like, what is this? And I was like, Those are boobs. These are boobs. These are boobs. Can we move on? Also, like, this is in the garbage layer. We can't do anything with this. Let's keep digging. And by let's keep digging, it means can I get back in there? Because I'm the only one digging. Since all of you just watch me while I dig. Yeah,
2: sometimes, sometimes it frustrates me with an archaeology. Like, okay, think about anyone listening at home. Think about just the shit that's around you and how, like, if you look around the room, you'll probably see something that you have not thought about ever. You ever. know it's, you know if you're in your room, just look around, there's gonna be something around that you're just like that I don't understand why that's here. that's nothing to me, yeah, you know, <laughs> and people back then were the same way, they just made shit sometimes they just just yeah. made things to make things uh and you know and there isn't a the lot of meaning of,
0: associated with them, but people yeah. really like to make careers of that,
2: yeah, we in the modern world love to categorize the past in a way that is sometimes useful. And sometimes detrimental to the past. Most of the time (laughs) detrimental to (laughs) the past. And Um,
0: yeah, it was was so interesting because like the character you described is like, oh, it's it's that you're a senior scholar who hasn't had to go in the field because you get students to do that for you and you interpret what they find.
2: Yeah. Oh, my character may actually know a shit ton about like the scholar, like the scholastic work uh, around um the flame emperor and that's if, what i so i like if, that yeah and he feels like he knows a ton like he knows the flame emperor like the back of his hand but the thing i want is that that in no way prepares him for facing the flame emperor and the cult yeah
0: yeah I, so do you think that your character would be sent with the party because of your expertise you are an expert on this particular period in the history of the land of blades yeah
2: I know his. I know the traditional greeting from his time. It's Flamio Hotman. Oh god! <laughs> I really, I, I love. Ugh, I love. The I idea. love the opening to that battle to just be him yelling, Flamio Hotman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. Um, I really uh, like good. your character having, like, a, a <laughs> sort of, I think your character would spew <laughs> falsehoods and truths, and the party would have to reconcile with the fact that they don't know what's what. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And I think, I think that could be really interesting, because, like, narratively, you and I can work on a lot of the world together. Like, I wrote The Mythic History of the Land. Yeah, And like, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. So you have it and you can refer to it. And we can come up with a bunch of fake book titles and stuff. I love um, it. And we, and then we can always add to the lore. If we find that there's like missing stuff, like let's write it up and let's add it. So that this is like a great mm-hmm. way of, for you, for your character to have agency over the story. Oh,
2: maybe he's a character. Cause there's a lot of academics like this, right? Where. Um, when pressure to know something that they don't know makes it up. A, a good a good honest academic of which there are many, but a good honest academic will just say, I don't know. Let me look into it. Let me try to research that. Yeah, there are also very many possibly even a majority that just make something up because they can't stand a challenge to their authority of knowledge or, you know, like most yep. of nobody enjoys being wrong. And so for too many people, academic or not, oftentimes our immediate thing to do is to just say something that may or may not be right, but it makes it sound right. You know? Yeah.
0: I really like this idea. I, think... I, I just
2: place what I really hate. I yeah, really just, just, like... just
0: play the academics that you dislike. Yeah. Um, I think that this fits really well because in the... In the Land of Blades, there are those like those dukes. You had yeah. met one of them, the the executioner. Yeah. Um, but there are these different houses. There's like the Luminous Foundry, and they're basically uh, responsible for uh, currency, right? Um, yeah. There's the Butterfly Pavilion, which is for artists and scholars. And we could add in that scholars are a part of the Butterfly Pavilion. Um, there's the Tranquil House, which is where the Tranquil Silk Guard, the sort of secret police of the land, and Mm -hmm. the executioners come from, and then there's the Vermilion Hills, which are the armed forces. Um, But I think it'd be interesting if your character came from, like, essentially this, like, very prestigious house of scholarship. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe you are the lore keeper in the capital. You're responsible for all of the books. You curate the queen's collection of lore. And you have read <laughs> yeah, every yeah. single book there. And you think you yeah. know everything. I love it. I, think, it. I think it it kind of takes the arrogance of Adrian, but in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Like, you you think you know everything, but maybe your character can't do basic things like, okay, we're going to have to way find this is north. And you should start walking south or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or... or <laughs> Like we
2: we have to we have to camp for the night and he has no clue. He hasn't been no 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 no
0: like uh like no sleeping bag, no no nothing. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> he 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 has he has not been out of the capital in like twenty years.
0: Yeah. Where's like, oh what are the what are like field rations? What are we eating? What is this? Yeah. Normally if he does travel,
2: he has a whole entourage of people to set it all all up for him, which in his mind he may still
0: have right now the party. Do you think the party are his grad yeah. students? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if so, I will also say, if you want, you could have like an NPC. I'll let you have like a because there are rules for like squires and companions. oh, yeah. If you wanted, we could lean in on that. I just have a gra- a poor grad
2: student with a me. A poor
0: grad student, do you want to do that? I, I, I'd i be totally okay with that.
2: Uh, that I'll I'll think about a little bit more, but um, okay. I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea
0: uh, <laughs> this or a grad could, student. Oh yeah, or we could lean lean in with like, oh, you know, you, uh, you know, you you just happen to have a uh, uh, treat the party like your grad students. Honestly, that is probably the most likely scenario. Okay, yeah, we could do that. Um, there are rules in the DMG for like low level sort of like companion NPCs, mm-hmm. um, so we we can do that eventually if you want. Um, we could also make it so that you have like a network of grad students at different institutions throughout the land, <laughs> and you have to go check on yeah, their work. Yeah, um, just surprise visits. Yeah, we just have to make sure that we don't lean in on anybody's academic trauma in, <laughs> in the in the in the play group. Uh, but I really like this character idea. Is, is there anything else that? So, do, is that what you want to do for your character?
2: Yeah, I think I do. I, I want to create a uh, bard college of lore who is just really focused on support stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, let's you know? do it.
2: He has no, he probably won't have a single offensive capability, even a little bit,
0: just, Do you think you will know, make him and just not give him a weapon? Or just, he just has a dagger?
2: I think he will, he will probably believe that the superiority of his
0: spellcraft will win the day. <laughs> Run out of spells and so just be like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs>
2: He starts beating someone with a rolled up scroll like, like a
0: newspaper. He <laughs> a newspaper. folded it in half. Boom. <laughs> I think I think this one also I think having a scholar in the party is also really useful because the party still needs to equip themselves with the tools necessary to actually fight the Flame Emperor. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I think there's a lot that we could do narratively and I think it's very it's a very interesting way of making a character that is very much responsible for a lot of the world building. Yeah. Um which I think is cool. Um, um yeah. How many how many
2: elements are there? There's five. There's five and we you mean like have, in chinese
0: culture like the wuxing?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz well cuz we were talking about like, you know, so jin
0: is is water, right? And oh, you mean for the uh the actual like deities?
2: Well, yeah, cuz weren't we talking about it wasn't my yeah. understanding correctly that, like, there might be each of us may end up being equipped with a certain item, correct? That is so connected, so we have so the there's we have... so
0: there's there's different ones. So there's the uh, the divine archer, yeah. Um, who Emma had actually found the the Emma's, Emma's character was like looking for her uncle, Koyuki, who had found the bow, but not the matching arrow. And Emma had found the arrow, uh, but Emma left it with him in the south. So there's a whole other dilemma of you having to go and get that shit because you've left the the a weapon of the gods with this like with this like dude who just cares about pressing plants and books. Um also you're in the south where it's also enemy are, territory now. It's enemy territory. So that's like a whole story arc there. Um you have the Lord of Rain's sword which uh the decree of water which Mark has. Uh the decree of fire is what's wielded by the Flame Emperor. So, what's left um is the um the lord of for Lord of the forges weapon and another deity called mountain carver uh so there's like two two remaining items that don't align with your characters, and they're not in- meant to intentionally align because then you know it, it, in my mind it would be too perfect um but that said, there are powerful weapons out there that you can get um there is also the option for your characters to go and find the gods themselves and Mm -hmm. seek their guidance because not all of the gods left their weapons on the land. And so that's why we have the bow that could be used to seek out the path that you would need to sail to get past the storms that guard the immortal islands. And then so we'll go to this island and meet the gods.
2: What are we doing next?
0: Well, they, we don't
2: know, really, right?
0: You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Um, I'd go to get that bow. You'd probably go and get that bow. Yeah, I uh, feel about right. Because you, you'd need to go and get that bow and use that bow to get to the Immortal Islands. Yeah. Um, because right now, the Sapphire Flame cults, the, the main adversaries in this campaign, have more pieces of the compass that will lead them to the prison where the Flame Emperor is actually kept. And since you folks... I had actually intended for this combat encounter to, if you had folks had won, to actually get the the, the full compass. But since. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. But since Adrian kind of was like, I'm going to save the party. I'm going to go. Your best bet now. But in the meantime, he from- also
2: pickpocketed the compass out of it, out, you know, off the guy and then dropped it. We could do that. No, he, no, that feels a bit... He, he would have no idea to even pickpocket that, necessarily. Exactly.
0: So your best bet right now is to literally go directly to the gods and ask them, where is the prison? And yeah. I think that's much more interesting. Yeah. Um, So that's 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 going to be our current objective. Hell yeah. And you have to roll up this character in a day, because we're playing tomorrow. <laughs> it, I mean, technically, the character's already created true yeah you just need to um, uh i just gotta write up some It's gotta add some stuff. magic items too
2: oh yeah what do i get
0: yeah um
2: i am um, three legendary
0: items we will we'll talk about it um okay four legendary items i think we'll give you i'm okay with three non-combat legendary items <laughs> but i think one of them needs to be really silly okay i think one <laughs> of them has to be really like i think they have to be useless in the wild yeah um because i think (laughs) you're like i think they have to vibe with the fact that your character is not meant for the field no absolutely Um, not so like maybe you have like uh maybe he has just a shit ton of magic items but none of them are useful yeah like you have like oh the decanter of endless water (laughs) and it's just like um and it's a wondrous item um but like, is it super useful to your character? Maybe not, but it could be useful if you synergize it with the rest of the party. Um, you definitely have to have some sort of item that would increase your intelligence. Unless your character thinks that they're too good for that and they don't need anything to increase I mean, their intelligence. I mean, my
2: character is already 20 intelligence.
0: That's so right, because you roll I, an 18 on one of your... Yeah.
2: I I roll very well. I don't know
0: what it is. Yeah, I think you you got a whole bunch of sixteens. You got an eighteen and then a nine. Yeah,
2: like I can roll digitally. I can roll in person. I can roll you know not in person. report. It doesn't matter the circumstances in which I roll or the tools I use to roll do not matter. Honestly, I, I almost really, always
0: roll way too well. It's strange. I really, yeah, you roll well there, and then in combat you don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I really get. I really
0: get. Yeah, you don't on in the combat. The backside of that, yeah. but I really. I like that your character would have high stats given that your character is not going to be good in combat, but your character is going to cause a lot of friction with the party in a way that kind of can push the story forward, which I really like.
2: Yeah, I, you know, as a, as a player, that is always what I want to try to do is I want to create interesting things for other players. And I do enjoy fulfilling roles in the party. You know, I there's no aspect of D and D that I think is not, or just TTRPGs. When it comes to, I guess when it comes to role playing, um, I don't know. I I enjoy, I enjoy all of it, whether it's support, tanking, DPS, whatever. You know, just being really good at skills. Uh, I think it's all fun, so I, I really don't mind just kind of filling in where other people uh, are not.
0: Yeah, and I think it's you know? it's gonna be it's going to be a nice change as well. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be the one who's constantly throwing hands or, I mean, you don't, you might not actually have to be the one who goes down first in combat. Um Also, one thing we should check is if your character had anything in Adrian, had anything in his inventory that was important to the party. Cause that's lost now. Oh, well, he oh has well. a bunch of cyanide capsules. Yeah, a whole bunch of cyanide capsules that don't do anything to him. Um, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i'm excited for this character uh that said do you want to go over some patron questions from no dice no problem mail time no i suppose because we have a whole bunch of questions um i think some of them are going to take us down some like rabbit holes that could be entire episodes one (laughs) of them jeremy's question i'm like i know what jeremy's trying to get me to say um, <laughs> yeah that's immediately what I know thought a, I know what Jeremy's trying to get me to say your
2: answer is going to be a lot better than my answer my, my answer, answer is, is not gonna that be,
0: interesting oh, my answer is going to be awful I don't even know if I want to say it on the podcast nah
2: that's it's <laughs> a problem it's no problems you say it
0: uh, but yeah we'll get to that question we'll go in order uh, the first one was from Marcus who asked um, what old media example Digimon have you felt nostalgic about and I think this is going to really show the age difference between us Drew as well
2: I mean, for myself, <laughs> yeah, because we're like, what, 10 years apart? Almost?
0: Uh, no, no, less than 10 years apart. Less than, t- less than 10 years apart.
2: Yeah, de- definitely less.
0: But yeah, what have you felt nostalgic about?
2: Um, so uh, that when I was uh, looking at some of these questions, uh, what interested me about this one was uh, I generally, y- you know, I'm never really someone who's ever been called nostalgic about anything. Uh, I tend to be pretty firmly planted in like today in the, in the sense of like <laughs> what I mean by that is I live just in the, the moment. Like, I live in the moment. No, what I mean by that is just the like a lot of older franchises. I'm like, yeah, that was good. I, I enjoyed it when it was a thing, but now that there are, there are cool, better things now, uh, like a lot of people love to go back and play their old, uh, favorite video game, you know, when they were younger, I I just, I do not seem to derive much of that same joy. However, uh some exceptions are uh like BattleTech and MechWarrior. Ooh, I love that franchise. Okay. okay. Uh the representation for that franchise not always the best. No. Not always great. Um I do not like how they portray um uh various uh Asian cultures or how they just don't really portray uh a lot of like african or uh black culture and experiences experiences uh you know so like you know but uh i love big robots you know i love big so, robots that so, i like to make them fight <laughs> so much so that like i i went out the other day so uh for our uh listeners who who don't have access to the video um i'm holding up the big uh battletech alpha strike box right here so what is box. alpha
0: strike compared to regular
2: BattleTech? so they remove most of the simulation aspect of like the the war game so you're not having to roll like per location hit and like you know, you're not rolling for uh, so how does how does the faster? pilot feel emotionally and spiritually after that strike you know <laughs> if he's like so, yeah so it's faster fair. um games instead of lasting for like four or five hours like a lot of other war games do instead last like you know 30 minutes an hour depends on how quick you are with the rules and stuff Mm. um but like my friend and i played it for the first time the other day and um it only took us maybe like once we actually were playing and not just reading rules took us maybe like an hour
0: you know Mm. okay Okay. so like
2: that was quite nice um i've also played the classic and i enjoyed that too i I enjoy the simulationist aspect but yeah, I mean, I used to run like a big MechWarrior online server when MechWarrior online was a feasible thing to play. Um, I love BattleTech, uh, so yeah, that's the kind of that is something that is a, a comfort of mine. And so, yes, in that sense, I'm nostalgic. I like going back to that. I started off with MechCommander Gold. Shout out to that game. That game's lit. Uh, it does not run on my computer; because <laughs> it's too old. <laughs> uh, but that game was awesome, and I I wish they would do a remake of that game.
0: But yeah, that's my thing. <sighs> I've been thinking about, like, what am I nostalgic about? And, I mean, a part of me... Okay, so one thing that I really love is I, like, I love movies from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love movies from the 80s. I love, like, Lost Boys. Uh, I love, like, The Goonies. Like, I love those, those movies. I really do because of just memories I've had with my dad watching them. Because my dad is really into those movies. Um, But I think because of our audience tends to kind of lean towards like the like like geeky fandoms. I think for me, one thing that I'm extremely nostalgic about is Mobile Suit Gundam, Uh, particularly like how I felt as a a kid in the 90s about Gundam Wing and seeing Mm -hmm. Gundam Wing on TV for the first time and being like, what is this story? I don't know, but these things look super cool. I like how.
2: Both it's, all, it's all robots. big robots
0: big robots <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah big robots because i would say like oh my nostalgia about like old media like old disney i'm like i don't know if that counts or like old like marvel comics or anything like that like i just got a a a couple of issues of the original 1990 or not the original but the one of the english print runs from 1997 of spider-man the manga which was published in japan in between 1970 and 1971. But I don't know if that counts towards like nostalgia cuz I do love comic books. And my dad is also a comic book collector. He has like a copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 1 and it's signed by Stan Lee. Who I got That's to me. Cool. Like my dad's got some old cop issues of Batman that have like buy war bonds. There's like Hitler and Mussolini on the cover fighting Batman and Robin. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I I don't know if that counts like old comic books certainly. But if we're looking at sort of media properties, I think like old Gundam, I think is one that I, I'm very nostalgic about. Like it's something I think about and I look at new Gundam and I'm just like, which oh, for Mercury is really good. But Gundam is so hit and miss that I mostly just want to have the memories of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had another question and I'm curious to know your answer. If you have an answer for this one, Miss um, Mike asks, uh, what are your favorite Dice-less TTRPGs? I
2: don't know if I've ever played one.
0: Yeah, I I, I was going like, to ask if, if you've ever done that, and I don't think you it's have. It's like
2: Beak Feather and Bone count. I've played Beak Feather and Bone, but that's not really an RPG, though. That's like a storytelling game. No, it's an RPG. It's a, it's a Okay. I guess it could Do Did they use Dice in that game? I don't think not they Not that I recall, no. Um, um, I've played Beak Feather and Bone a couple different times, and I really enjoy that kind of experience. Like... Uh, what i plan on doing for uh, the next campaign that i run is i really want to you know i've done a lot of like kind of grand politics or just grand scale campaign stuff recently Mm. i want to really zero in on like level one folk hero starts you know and just a bunch of shitters out of town who are you know (laughs) this is the this is where they get their start and i'd love to be feather and bone like that's that small town that'd be cool i like um
0: my favorite diceless rpg is microscope it's one i think you would really like
2: haven't we do we do we play that ever we did a little bit with
0: with angus with the index card and you're making a a literal chronology like an epic history of a land um i really like microscope we did an entire episode of dungeons into asians where we played microscope and we Mm -hmm. came up with the history of the land and it was a lot of cool um that's my answer um, cat, <laughs> but I've never
2: played, I've never played like, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I've never, fine. I've never played like a TTRPG that was Diceless where I'm like role playing. It's just been like top down world design. really. Yeah. There's like, there's one that I've
0: wanted to play and there, there was a question, uh, aimless did ask what TTRPGs have you not gotten a chance to play that you'd like mm. to try out. And one of them actually for me is golden sky stories, which is, uh, from what I gather a Diceless RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do not know enough, enough about the genre. It, there, there are some cool ones like one that I it's not diceless though um, but they're unique. One that I really love is Ten Candles. I absolutely love Ten Candles. Oh I do plan on playing that. Yeah and like Sarah my partner it's her like favorite RPG like if I'm yeah. like we're going to play Ten Candles she'll be like can I play and she, <laughs> she's not super into other RPGs yeah. but Ten Candles she really loved. Uh, Kat had a question for me and it was Kat like Bless cat mod Plus on the Discord. Bless up. Um Kat had a request, not a question, but for me to spend <laughs> at least two minutes talking about my love of Lewis Tan. Um I love looking at Lewis Tan.
2: all right your time is now. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: love I love looking at Lewis Tan. He is not a good actor, but he's good looking. Um <laughs> He was he was We're solid. Five
2: seconds and you shit on him.
0: No, no, no. He was like he was solid. In, um, he was solid in Iron Fist. But solid in body, not solid, solid in body. Solid, solid, in solid in acting. Eh, I don't know because I, I watched, so I watched Mortal Kombat. Sarah and I watched Mortal Kombat and my expectations were real low. I liked the action sequences, I thought they were really solid. I thought Hiroyuki Sanada was really good as Scorpion. Joe Taslim was also really awesome as Sub Zero and their fight at the end was. Really freaking cool. It's like making an ice sword or making a blade out of someone else's blood. I was like, this is amazing. Mortal Kombat, peak Mortal Kombat, peak Mortal Kombat. They really replicated the, the finishing moves from Mortal Kombat in this movie. And I thought it was really well done. Mortal Kombat narratively. I very much saw it as, Oh, we're going to, this is going to be a narrative uh vehicle for us to bring in lewis tan because he does not play a character to my knowledge from the games uh-huh. and when they tried to make mortal Kombat interesting with like a story they're like oh there are all these worlds are coming in and if we lose this one it's over for us i'm like just put these characters in a place have them fight i don't even need a story i just want to see action sequences if you had gone <laughs> and made mortal Kombat a playlist on youtube and each of them was like a five to ten minute fight scene, I'd be very happy. Um yeah. but the story of Mortal Kombat was so bad. And we were watching and we were like, I don't even appreciate this as something. Like, I don't even like ironically like this. I'm like, this is just bad. Mm-hmm. Is it the worst video game adaptation I've seen? No. Like I really hated Monster Hunter. Like that movie was terrible. That movie's abysmal. That movie is awful. Like What what in the Paul W. S. Anderson is that? It's and I don't even like, I don't even
2: enjoy Monster Hunter the franchise. So it's not like, you know, as someone who doesn't really have that much knowledge of it, I don't even have anything to be disappointed from. I I still thought it was garbage. (laughs) I love
0: the Monster Hunter games, and I was so disappointed. But I will say, the action of Mortal Kombat made it better, and Louis Tan was great in it. I thought Lewis Tan was also really good in Wu Assassins, the Netflix TV show. Um, mm. I thought he was the best part of it. The movie, Fistful of Bullets, was awful, but he looked good in it. I think I've passed two minutes. I've said mostly good it, yeah. things about Lewis Tan, but not good things about the things he's been in. Um, although, he was in Into the Badlands, and that show's fucking awesome. That show is yeah. incredible. So um, so
2: bottom line Louis Tan awesome. The projects that Louis Tan works in often not awesome.
0: Yeah, like if you look at his like stunt reels and his like like martial arts stunt reels, he's really good. Like the dude could fight. The dude the dude has trained. And I and like I think that he would have made a really interesting Shang-Chi. Um yeah. because I think it would have been a really cool story if they just rewrote Shang-Chi as a mixed character and I'd, set I'd, the movie in down like the United States. I think that'd be super interesting. Um, Cause I think he's on the same level as Simu Liu in terms of acting ability. Um, yeah. But yeah, big Louis Tan fan. Um, I want, I want, I want him to get that big break. Honestly, I think it would have been cool if he was in like a John Wick movie. Cause I think he kind of fit right in there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of the new posters for John Wick, but Scott Adkins is in John Wick 4. And well, that's fun and they have him in a full on like uh like suit. prosthetic <laughs> bodysuit. It's really um uh-huh. uh don't wait, like, let me just pull it up and then I will show the audience who is watching it on Patreon. Uh, Scott Adkins is in like he's wearing like a uh, like I guess, like a fat suit. I guess that's what they call it. He just, he just looks so different, and I am so excited for John Wick Four because they've got the most legendary direct to DVD action star facing off against Keanu Reeves, and I can't wait for that movie. But that's unrelated to this Louis Tan question. It's mostly just like, I really want him in a John Wick movie because I think he he would be the perfect fit for it because. Yeah. Uh, action movie fans would really appreciate that. I also think he would fit in well with the world. Anyways, yeah, that's that's my Lewis Tan fan club segment. Um, <laughs> Aimless did ask, what are TG- TTRPGs that you haven't gotten a chance to play that you'd like to play? I did mention Golden Sky Stories for me. I have one other one, but I wanted to ask you, is so is there a game or two that you've always wanted to play?
2: So 10 Candles is one that I've been... Wanting to run? Do you run yeah. Tinder Candles? You can. It's you can't. It's, it's collaborative. Yeah, it's collaborative. But um, in, in my setting, in a particular city that most of my uh, one of my campaigns is set in, um, there it is built on top of the ruins of an ancient like of an ancient ancient city. So it, it descends, you know, many many levels into the ground, and there are uh, is a really bad place to live. You know, really dystopian. And a lot of prisoners are put onto Doom Diver duty, which is, you know, for um, you know, the what is the word? For reduction in your sentence and your okay. time served, you can be sent down into those ruins as part of a Doom Diver team, and you basically suicide squad it. So it's like GTFO. Know? Yeah, yeah, it's very GTFO. Um, and I thought it'd be really fun, and my players are super into the idea to run a 10 candles game where you're, where we're all playing doom divers, but everybody you know. has to die at the end. Yep. That's a, that okay, is cool. The, that is the status quo of doom divers. Love that.
0: You know, love that.
2: Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought that that'd be cool. My other one that I really want to play is, um, band of blades. God, oh, yeah. I mean, that the game looks so cool. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's Forged in the Dark, right?
0: It's Forged in the Dark, yeah. Yeah,
2: and I've never I've never played any Forged in the Dark anything. Um, we should so, try playing Blades in the Dark. Yeah, I'd be down. Do yeah, um, but do yeah, I think that that is one that I super want to play.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Or maybe for a me, historical RPG. I like for me, two. it's like, I've mentioned Golden Sky Stories. Now there's Ryutama, which is another like Japanese RPG that's mm-hmm. been translated into English. The one that I know... This really, and this is what makes me sad because I know the group that I would want to run it with and we are not all in the same city. Um, and it's Twilight 2000. Um, I kicked, I, I backed Twilight 2000 on Kickstarter because it was like a, a remake of an older game. And it's a hex crawling, post-apocalyptic, post-World War Three military game. And... Set in like war-torn Poland, but when I got my copy, the box set of Twilight 2000 in the mail, Russia invaded Ukraine, and I yeah. was like, "Oh, I feel weird about this." And, um, but I really want to play Twilight 2000. I know that like our friend Angus would fucking love this game, and I know you would fucking love this. I am all about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I and like I I we can run it virtually, but like I have all these cool props and maps and stuff, and it would just. I want my first experience with this Listen, game to be in person. We can try to we we can try to like play it remotely. I'm all for trying that remotely.
2: But when, I really want to play this game. When I, you know, am up there for this fabled vacation that we always talk about, we'll um we'll play all the
0: games. We'll play all the games. We'll play all the games. Yeah. I I, I cuz I I got to um cuz so I had lunch with Kendra and Emma like last week. Yeah. That was so funny you wrote in the chat. You were like, "Where are you?"
2: I'm, I'm, I'm here, here. i want to see you are guys are you? <laughs> uh, for those who don't know it is like a 12 hour drive it's a 12 to, to toronto yeah.
0: it's a it's a shame we live in very different places yeah um but yeah twilight 2000 is i think number one on my list of games that i want to play yeah um, and it just haunts me seeing it on the shelf and not being able to play it <laughs> um so aimless asked again another question from aimless are you writing anything fun that isn't under an NDA? And I actually, uh, we could talk about the thing that we just finished writing. Oh, we, uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Uh, you, Emma, myself, we wrote optional rules for 5th edition D&D on Chi and how everybody in the party, regardless of class, can use Chi. And we wrote mm-hmm. up all these really awesome Chi uh, abilities that make combat very dynamic. You could yeah. do some busted things with it
2: roll roll busted like you know just regain various spell slots auto a crit you know it's cool stuff damage you know you 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 could theoretically at a high enough level you could blow all of your chi in one go to just do like an auto crit max damage nonsense stuff like that but then you're done like you don't have anymore because you're you're using it all um and the benefit of playing a monk is that you get more, you know, you you have your cheap points normally.
0: Yeah, because you um, are trained in how to use it. Yeah, um you have you have a additional amount. I'm really happy with what we wrote on that, and we're obviously publishing it through Valorous Games through liana And I think right now we're just the only thing I need us to do is write the description for a drive-through RPG.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we need to write that. uh But the text is done, uh, and I think we're going to be adapting it for our home game potentially. Mm-hmm. I would like to. But we have yeah, to have a conversation with the, with the table about that. But that's the one thing that we are writing that's fun. And it's something that we wrote together, which I'm really happy about. We actually wrote it in place of a and d session because somebody couldn't make it. So we were like, let's just do this. Yeah. Well, let's Mark, just fuck Mark around. Make it, so let's just write these rules. Uh, I had written like a like the foundation of some rules yeah. for it. And uh, we kind of built on it. And I think it's great. We're also working on Wandering Blades. Um, Liana and I are working on that right now. It's going to be, um, it's an OSR game that we're going to use for Wandering Blades, which is the sequel to Dungeons & Dragons. We will also play other games for Wandering Blades, um, but we're working on a standalone game that's got very dangerous combat. Uh, And then, Drew, you're going to come on as a writer. We're going to bring on literally everyone in. The Dungeons and the Asians team and Dunge- Well, the Asians represent not the, see
2: the server. I'm like, that's so many the people. Server. No, the Asians 400 represent 100 people.
0: Are yeah, the Asians book. represent. That- that's how many. Wow. Um, yeah, we're going to bring on everyone on the Asians represent team to, <laughs> to help write this, which I'm really excited about. Um, now for Jeremy's question. Oh, Jeremy boy. has asked, what are the worst and best characters the two of you have ever played?
2: I don't have a ready-made answer for worst. I know you do. I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the worst character I've ever played is one that I'm still playing. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a Pathfinder character. He is a his name is Tapio. And uh he has a he is a puppet. He's like a puppet. But in my, my backstory was that he was like this scholar in Tian Sha, which is basically like Pathfinder's like Carator. fantasy asia it's like, yeah it's their fantasy it's their fantasy pan asia but it's got a chinese name um and he was like a scholar who was researching how to make the perfect body in my mind i was like oh it's like louis tan <laughs> and he's like covered in his body's like covered in tattoos and he essentially has made the perfect physical specimen that is also immortal however these agents from the west basically come in and steal his body and basically shove like his soul out of his body, Dr. Strange style. And his soul basically gets put into like a doll. And he's gone on this quest to go and find his body. And the longer his soul has been separated from his original physical self, the more unhinged he gets. And he is just this unhinged puppet gunslinger. Yeah. He's super vulgar.
2: He um, He's really brand. He, he's got a great brand because he's got a singular word that is
0: associated with his name. She's like, I bust. I bust. <laughs> and he's just he's, it's, he's so vulgar. He's yeah. the worst. <laughs> but like but he's just getting more and more intense because he's finding the pieces to his body and he found his skin, but he's wearing his original skin as a cape. It's like a cloak. Yeah, It's it's so macabre and nasty. It's, it's awful. It's awful. Um that's why also worst a character. cloak of
2: his of invisibility too. Yes.
0: It got enchanted. Oh, what a when, when, when it's awful he's he's awful but that's my worst character i think the best character i've ever played i i'll be honest i haven't played a character in a really long time because i'm always running games the last character mm. i played was just the worst <laughs> um yeah i don't have a the best character i've played i have a character that i want to play but that doesn't count because i don't know if it's actually good yet um yeah, I don't know. How, I can't think of a character off the, off the top of my mind that that I really liked. cuz I I'm assuming this is player characters, not NPCs. Sure. Sure. Um,
2: I'd say for worst character, I I don't really have I don't, I don't have a worst character. I only character, make I think good in the characters. typical <laughs> I only make the good ones. No, it's just not the worst ones I don't remember. I think I shunt them out of my brain. Uh, but I I remember um playing uh 3.5 D&D and okay. I played a, I played a like familiar, like an right. awakened familiar. Okay, uh, who was a, who was a big orange uh, like tabby cat, <laughs> and he was a beguiler, which is right. uh, which is like it's sort of like a rogue, but you don't have the sneak attack. You instead more like arcane trickster, uh, where you get a bunch of illusion spells and stuff. And he was just a cat. Wait, no, wait. There was a specific race name. It was a Tibbet. Tibet, tip, tibet, Tabbit, Something like that. It was like a you could it was like a fake creature. It's like you could okay. be like a short, furred, like a, you could be a short furry, or you could be a cat. <laughs> okay. A full-on cat. Um and it was just great. I love that character. But the issue was, I guess, in terms of worst, um I got to play him for two sessions, and then the third session he got used to run through a trap when i wasn't i wasn't there oh, that week that was, uh, he got used as the so that was like a worse experience of having people text me and be like yo dog your character died so then i was you know i was like how uh we ran him into a trap and then he died from the trap <laughs> and i was oh like my oh god
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, i don't i mean that's a whole oh, other well. conversation about like character death and if you would allow that sort of thing to happen in the first place right yeah this was very like
2: uh this is a one of the more typical i think brutal 3.5 games you know oh, okay cool it was just kind of i guess that's what the group expected and i was like yeah but like while i'm not there, there? yeah know?
0: yeah like i'd be okay um, if i was the one who threw myself into the traps yeah like if, yeah. if i don't have agency over that yeah i, I get that i, I do I mean, we're talking oh, sorry, mechanics. No. like i do yeah. love my 3.5 uh, archers like i love making arcane archers in order of the bow initiates but like narratively none of them are super memorable
2: sure
0: yeah um best character hands down
2: it's got to be abraham mm. uh, abraham is a character shout out to gabe the dm uh i have this upcoming september will be five years straight of playing that character every monday well not literally every monday we've had a couple you know but in terms of we all know the issues of cancellations and scheduling issues for, for D&D. Yep. That, Monday, that Monday game has, by and large, gone very strong with like a 95% nice. you know, uh, uh, rate of playing. But yeah, that character has gone from level one to like level technically 21. Because listen, if you think high level D&D is boring, just do what Gabe did and go balls to the walls homebrew the shit out of everything and just embrace this almost anime level of brokenness, you know, where you're just doing crazy things all the time. That is, that is, I think the best way to play that high level gameplay. Um, but I mean, he went from being a, a warlock to a fighter, to a sorcerer, um, also a huge journey. But I initially had created that character as like an exploration of self You know, and so I I, I imbued a lot of myself in him. And in many ways, even now, he just kind of is me, but a a much more idealized version. Um, But after five years, uh, almost five years, man. He just lives rent free in my head. Like, I don't have to I don't have to get into character. I don't have to listen to my playlist or review my backstory. You know, after all this time, It's just like a snap of the fingers and boom, I'm in character. You're in character. Yeah, I don't I don't need to do any prep anymore. Uh, I'm just
0: there, baby. (laughs) Okay. so speaking of things that live rent free in your head, Jeremy asked a question. What is the most ridiculous bit of TTRPG lore? It could be setting lore or trivia about the hobby that you personally like or find hilarious to reflect on. And there is one that lives rent free in my head called Eric and the Dread Gazebo. Do you know that? I don't. Oh my God. So we're going to, I'm going to, I'm putting it in the Zencaster chat um, for you. So let me, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to play it out. But Eric and the Dread Gazebo is this TTRBG sort of anecdote. That's been like widely published. I think it was first published in like the eighties, but it's essentially about a player who misunderstands what a gazebo is and thinks it's a monster. That's fun. And it's this, and it's, so we're going to, we're going to play it out. Um, it was, uh, I think the, it was made famous by this guy named Richard Aronson. Um, and it was published in this um, uh, amateur press association magazine or zine called um, Alarums and Excursions. And it's been published in a whole bunch of other things. But ever since I was like 11, Eric and the Dread Gazebo has been my favorite <laughs> my favorite sort of ttrpg anecdote um so the real gm for this story his name is ed Witchurch. and basically it's like it's so funny because it's like something that could totally happen in a game so i've just sent you the basically the encounter yeah i'm gonna play ed and you're gonna play eric okay so this is how it for, for our audience this is how it played out Ed the DM is basically saying you see a well-groomed garden in the middle on a small hill. You see a gazebo. Okay. A a gazebo. What color is it? It's white, Eric. All right. Uh, How far away is it? Uh, About 50 yards. How big is it? Uh, It's about 30 feet across, 15 feet high with a pointed top.
2: Hmm. Uh, Can I use my sword to detect good on it?
0: It's not good, Eric. It's a gazebo. I call out to it. It won't answer. It's a gazebo.
2: I will sheathe my sword and I draw my bow and arrows. Uh, Does it respond in any way?
0: No, Eric. It's a gazebo.
2: Okay. I'll do this the hard way. Uh, I shoot with my bow. I roll to hit.
0: Uh, what happened? There is now a gazebo with an arrow sticking out of it. It it wasn't wounded? Of course not, Eric! It's a gazebo! But that was a plus three arrow! It's a gazebo, Eric. A gazebo! If you really want to try to destroy it, you could try to chop it with an axe, I suppose, or you could try to burn it. But I don't know why anybody would even try. It's a fucking gazebo. I run away. It's too late. You've awakened the gazebo. It catches you and eats you.
2: (sighs) Maybe I'll roll up a fire using mage so I can avenge my paladin.
0: And that's my favorite. That is my favorite (laughs) TTRPG story. What a good story. It's my favorite sort of like tidbit from TTRPGs because it's like, this could happen to anybody. And it fucking happened in our game with Mark. (laughs) It fucking happened in our game with Mark. It's so funny. And it's literally like, that's not how I describe my patron. We know that's not how you describe your
2: patron, Mark.
0: Read the room.
2: I love that this event is also
0: copyrighted. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it's also very fun. There, you know, um, the, the Dread Gazebo appears in so many things. There's actually in the original RuneScape, if you yeah. go to a gazebo, there's like a. I've heard that there's a gazebo you could find, and it says "Run for it!" It's a gazebo on it. If you if you try to examine a gazebo, that's fun in RuneScape. Like that's it is fun. my it is my favorite because it perfectly encapsulates what could happen in a any fantasy RPG because <laughs> maybe not everybody knows what a gazebo is. Not everybody knows. Um, I just think it's, it's so funny because everybody has had to have that moment where they're trying to describe something that they think is very obvious, but one player just doesn't yeah. get it. Hey, you know what happens. It doesn't get it. And you have to kind of try to run with it while like, playing the game itself because like look the the DM Ed could have been like it's it's a gazebo it is a structure but no he's like I'm going to keep the role of GM and we're just going to play this out and I think it's so fucking it's hilarious that <laughs> in this anecdote nobody's like Eric you fucking idiot it's a gazebo like the, the only thing that would make it perf- more incredible is if Somebody said that, and Eric said, oh, so we can't fight it, it's too powerful, let's run. That's the only thing that would make it better in my mind. But I absolutely love the Dread Gazebo, because it still makes me laugh to this day, as much as it made me laugh when I was 10, 11 years mm-hmm. old. I love it. Do you have anything like that? It doesn't have to be, like, trivial about the hobby, but it could be about, like, lore in-game or anything like that.
2: See, uh, you know, I run into the issue of... um I write my own setting, or I play in other people's homebrew settings. So I have interesting stuff about that, I suppose. But like uh, in terms of the wider TTRPG audience, uh, it's gonna mean a lot of nothing, necessarily. Mm, um, that's okay. But I will say one of my favorite stories in, in similar vein is is probably the tales of Sir Barrington. I just love this. Have you heard of this one? No. What, what is this? Okay. So the tale, there, there is no read along in this regard okay. in, in the same way uh, we, we can't do some fun uh, radio drama with it. But essentially, and I, I'm, I'm just reading it here, um, it, it was a tale of um, a Druid player character in 3.5, had a bear named Meat Fists who was awakened. Meat, meat Fists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, um, what they did is over time is uh, the Druid player started to maximize the bear's disguise skill. I've just found Sir Barrington on... Oh, it's so fun. ...on RPG Museum. Because he got the leadership feat, which I guess gives a NPC, like, player levels, essentially. Correct. Um, And so he was becoming a rogue, and was giving him items that made him better at this guy's skill. And so eventually, he became known as a human, uh, uh known as Mr. Barrington. Sorry, not Sir Barrington, Mr. Barrington. And uh, described oh, in the original post, it says, quote... A gentleman of high society, wearing specially tailored bear-sized suits and a monocle. A dandy of few words, he was a respected patron of the arts, medicine, and a known connoisseur of gourmet cooking. His attendance at upper crust functions was expected, and though his thick accent often obscured his meaning, it only added to his mysterious lure. So, <laughs> so, so basically, Mr. Barrington is a bear he's highly intelligent but he's a bear and right. he can't speak the language uh and so all his like everyone <laughs> just assumes is an accent so thick that they're being rude and they can't understand you know that's so like, funny the, uh, and um if you were ever able to see through it He had such a cabal of, like, groupies that you would get shunned (laughs) from high society if you pointed it out. Because you were perceived as being very rude. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, I ultimately, I don't know if 3.5 was really uh, fully my vibe. Um, There's just a certain amount of, like, maybe too much of a crunch factor. Right. But at the same time, man, it does bring with it some really funny stories. Just with how ridiculous certain things could be gotten. Wow, that's so good.
0: But yeah, I, lo- I love Barrington. that. I love that Sir Barrington is on the uh, the RPG Museum Wiki.
2: Yeah, it's real fun. Oh, and to st- Doctor Guns for Hands,
0: the so is the gazebo. It. Yeah, <laughs> it just says the gazebo is proof against is proof against arrows and utterly fearless. It is vulnerable to fire and can be destroyed by an axe. I <laughs> okay, love that. Um, oh, interesting. Um, on RPG Museum, it says that it's commonly speculated the player may have mistaken the term for for the um, the D and D creature, the uh, Glabrezu.
2: Oh, Glabrezu! Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, um, a, it's a demon, I believe. Deam- uh, yeah, it's it's a demon. But it's um, a big,
2: a big, big sneaky one, right? It's a big, big. What's that one? It's big. I. Uh, isn't it the sort of minotaur looking one? Oh no,
0: it's like it's got that like um, you have do reptilian forearms. sort of head, and it's got like the crab claws. It's the one with the crab claws. Yeah, the forearms. Yeah, yeah. That's ah, uh, nah, nah. They just didn't know what a gazebo was. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if you knew what a glabra zoo is, surely then you after
0: the description, that's not it. Yeah, that's definitely it not can it. Can't be what that is. <laughs> It's just this white thing with a pointed top on a hill. Um, there's this other story. Do you know the YouTube channel Puffin Forest? Oh yeah, yeah. I there's a Puffin Forest video that I really love about how they were playing a high level event like one shot, and they were like, you know what? I'm gonna make an absurd character that's one level of everything, and they just tugged <laughs> at everything. Um, that's another one that I really love, but I, I don't yeah. think it fits into like a like TTRPG lore like the yeah. Barrington or the Dread Gazebo uh, do. The last question we have is from Temporal Insanity. And it's do you like model painting? If so, what is your favorite painted model? Or what model would you most like to own?
2: Trying to see if I have anything nearby.
0: Uh the answer is we both love model painting. Um, I theoretically love it. And by theoretically I just mean
2: uh I really do enjoy model painting. It's just getting me to start on a project. That's the tough part.
0: We both love model painting, but we both have ADHD, <laughs> and yes. it makes it very difficult to get into it. Um, Once I'm
2: started, we're we're going. Yeah, but it's it's starting it that makes it a hassle. But there
0: there are a lot there are a lot of like um and then part the other part of the question is what is your favorite painted model. Um and then what model would you most like to own?
2: Oh, um, um,
0: I do have a favorite painted model.
2: I uh, also have one. So mine is um, it's from D and D. I think it, technically the model or the the creature comes from uh, an adventure. I don't know which one. Um, but it's called the Tomb Tapper, and I fucking hate its name. Tomb it's, Tapper. <laughs> the Tomb Tapper is such a terrible <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> the tube tapper's is a terrible name, but it is this. But in terms of character, like like monster design, oh my god, I love the way it looks. It's this tall, sort of like skinny, gray skin creature with like limbs that are like too too knobby and long. Uh, it's kind of humanoid esque in shape, but it wears this big like flesh bag thing over its head. Ooh, um, that's cool, uh, and then it has a giant mouth in its stomach. Uh, and God, it's just, it's just, it has some real, like, Dark Souls vibes. Yeah, You know, yeah. it has some real, like, that kind of vibes to it. And I just, I love the character, like, the, 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 the design of it. Um, I think it was really funky. But I painted that one up. Uh, I gave him a lot of extra, like, blood and, like, gore kind of modeling onto it. Uh, and it was really probably one of my first serious tr- attempts at painting. Mm. Um, and I was very pleased with it. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, I think favorite painted model. I have a I have a couple that I really like. Um I started painting minis around the, actually the same time I started playing D&D. Um I have a lot that a lot of really old Warhammer that I really feel nostalgic about, but I got back into painting at the start of the pandemic um because the game Kill Team got me kind of back into it. I like the idea of a um not having to commit to a massive warhammer army and just have a small force uh, and being able to kind of customize them in a in a way very similar to like a ttrpg um i have a small 500 point uh death guard um force that i really love um there are i love how i've painted all of them i don't have any good pictures of them that i can share with our patrons actually no i have some Um. Let me share them for, for those who can watch. Um, one that I really love is my Lord of Virulence. It's one of the, the cooler models that, I, that I've painted recently. Um, I'm really proud of it because of the way it turned out. Um, but my favorite models that I've painted recently all fall under, for the most part, <laughs> the uh, Cursed City box that Games Workshop released. One God, was the, cool. um, cool the Vargskier Vampire. It's like this big vampire beast that I painted. And I mm-hmm. really love how I used sort of effect paints, but also uh, contrast paints on like the skin flaps. Um, there's also Radhikar. He's like a vampire lord. And I really love the way I painted his, um, his jacket. It just turned out really nice. Really proud of that one. And then the last one is actually from Warhammer Underworlds. There was a um, a three mini set you can get... For the Nurgle faction. And one of them I converted into like a sorceress for my death guard. And another is just, I kind of kept as this like, he's this like big plague knight with a big belly and a spear. And one day I will use it in a D&D game. The most yeah. recent mini I painted that I'm proud of was actually the first mini I painted since taking like a four month break. And it was actually a 3D printed um, uh, or a resin printed war master mini a 10 millimeter vampire lord. so small so small but i am extremely proud of that one um i know myself uh matt who you know uh, yeah. who plays Battletech, and another friend phil are we're gonna actually play war master we're gonna paint up uh, armies and i'm gonna do vampire counts really happy with that one um did you say the mini that you've always wanted to own
2: Oh, you know,
0: there's so many. <laughs> okay, I have one. I'm gonna send it to you. There's it's, just so many. It's made by a company called Creature Caster. And it's it's one I've always wanted to own. There's nothing stopping me. It's not like super expensive <laughs> okay. compared to other minis. Um it's called the Canuck Mera.
2: Oh, I have seen this. And yeah. it's
0: like it's like for those who aren't watching the video, it's got the the head of a moose. It's got like the body of a moose. But it's got these like exposed organs on its belly, with a beaver popping out of its chest, like a like a like a chest burster from Alien. It looks,
2: like, it looks like a Canadian remake of the thing.
0: Yes, and it's got a, <laughs> the, its tail is the neck, and and it ends with the head of a Canada goose, and it's got the wings of a Canada goose. It's the most fearsome creature ever, and I really want this model.
2: I do. I do love this. I really
0: want this model, um, but I. I'm not painting enough to justify it, but if I ever ran an adventure, like a horror adventure, this would be the big bad. The Canuck Mara. This would be the big bad. I yeah. absolutely love it. It's my dream mini because it's just so fucking ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I like a lot of creature caster stuff. Um I would say, um
0: Or anything so one of the Forge World makes good stuff.
2: Yeah. The things that I'm so I collect too many different things. So like I collect a lot of the D&D stuff, BattleTech, um Infinity, Malifaux, yeah. Warhammer, Age of Sigmar. I just <laughs> I'm in too many games. Uh but uh right now I think I'm we're not about to like do a conveyor belt of these uh to show them all off. Okay. But um I own I think all of the Adult Dragons. For D and D, yes, you've, are shared, you've shared
0: those. You had a yeah. you. You sent me a picture, and it was really yeah. nice.
2: That are available, which I think is seven of them. Um, and i I would like them to release the other three very badly, uh, because I want to finish. I want to finish my collection.
0: The, didn't they release a really nice Tia mat? There's like a really nice yeah, Tiamat. yeah. It's, it's
2: um, you know, a casual four hundred or so, like three four hundred bucks. But it's massive. I have a friend who owns it, which is probably why I don't feel as pressure to own it myself.
0: <laughs> it's 411 Canadian dollars. Yeah. It's the pretty good one. But it's nice.
2: You know, you can get it's a, nice.
0: It has a 411 dollars for that. That's a, whew, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot.
2: Um, They also have the, um, what is the big Leviathan thing? in the ethereal plane, or whatever. Um, Or the astral
0: plane. The astral devourer? I gotta look that one up. Uh, It's it's in the icons of the realm. Yeah, it's
2: astral devourer, I believe. They also have that for like 300 bucks, and that's another big boy. I can't find it at the local shop. Is it in icons of the realm? I think so. Oh, sorry, it's called astral dreadnought. Sorry. Oh, okay. Astral dreadnought. Um, but that's another big boy. So that's, he's like a giant gray slug thing with giant, like crab pincers and a gaping maw in the center. Oh yeah. Um, but that's, that's another like gargantuan sized, you know, half the table miniature. Uh, but that
0: again, that costs like $300. Uh, but I want one. There's a box See, set okay. and it comes with, it's a, it's a spell jammer thing. So there's a box set and you yeah. get, um, the local shop sells – you get all of the miniatures from the Spelljammer Adventures in Space set. So that's – you get a 24 – you get a booster brick, and you also get an adult solar dragon, mm-hmm. and you get um, Prince Zealoth, and you get the Astral Dreadnought. You get all of the promo minis, so there's six of Beacons. them. And you get a young lunar dragon, with a, and then you get a booklet. This thing is $724. It's,
2: uh, well, you know, it's a lot to buy it for me.
0: Yeah, it, it's a lot. Um,
2: I, see. The here's the thing. why I
0: wish I had a 3d printer as well. Like I wish I had a 3d printer, yeah. but I know it would get out of hand. Like I would just print more than I ever <laughs> needed. Um, it just get out of hand.
2: See at, at miniature market, which is one of my local stores, shout out to you. Um, at miniature market, they have, you know, like most places like a dent and ding section, you know, yeah. where things got damaged. And they have two Astro Dreadnoughts where the box has been dinged. But I assure you, there's probably nothing wrong with the minis inside. But that means that that $250 miniature is like 50% off, which is still too much. But it's not enough to not be tempting. At $250, I don't get tempted to buy it. At $125, I'm a little tempted to buy it, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> God. I No store that I go to has like a... A section that's that's like, oh, you know, the yeah, packages is, is rough.
2: The nice um, thing about miniature market is, from what I understand, they are not just a store, they're also, um, like the warehouse, they're the distributor for a lot of stuff. Oh, so okay, so they get to chop their prices a bit. Even GW, like Games Workshop items, are often like 10% off at minimum. I will you know. say
0: this: if you if you want to buy Games Workshop products, never buy it directly from Games Workshop unless it's no. sort of exclusive. Because everywhere you go, except for one shop in Toronto, it will always be cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Always be cheaper. Um, uh, but yeah, also support your local game store. Really true, important. True, true.
2: It it does make me feel bad for other local game stores though, because it's like, how do they compete with Miniature Market? Because Miniature Market can afford to give that price reduction, yes. Uh, whereas others cannot, and uh, while I understand, you know, I, I take advantage of that. It does make me feel bad for other ones. Cause then I go, well, why would I visit this other one? Because the other ones charge me to play at their tables or they charge me for this or that, or they don't have any price reductions, which I'm not saying that they should. It's just difficult then to compete with miniature market.
0: Of course. Yeah. Um, when there's a big store that has monopoly over your area. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: at the same time, shout out to miniature market. I mean, that's how I got most of the, the dragons miniatures, is that they're they come in these big boxes that are easy to drop and damage, yeah. You, but you, you just but they're well packaged enough that it never damage. it never affects it never affects the actual dragon, yeah. So, like, I most of my what, what are they normally like $80 USD um uh dragon minis, I get for like 45, 50, yeah. I would, you know? I would,
0: yeah, that's that's a good deal, like that's how, I think, that's how the I think collection the, started. I think the biggest minis I have are um. So, I've got the Omnath from the Magic the Gathering Wiz Kids. I know you have that one too yep. um I have the Udak from the critical role uh set uh which I really love and then that's the uh uh which dragon is that from magic that's um I have the card I'm just holding up the uh the red
2: dragon that I own please oh that's a,
0: there there's another dragon in magic that they made the uh, actual yeah. well, lathless Lathless. The There's group.
2: also Niv Mizzet. I think you can buy. Did they make a Niv Mizzet? That's cool. I thought they did. My dragon. Niv Mizzet's cool because Niv Mizzet has a unique thing for his D&D stat block, where he can concentrate on two spells at a time, which I don't think is in any other stat block. I didn't know there. Was that a might Niv-Mizzet. be the nerdiest thing I've ever said in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I a cool mean, thing about uh, Niv-Mizzet.
0: I, uh, yeah. What's cool about Niv Mizzet? Niv Mizzet can oh. <laughs> concentrate on two spells at the same time. Uh, that mini's not that nice. Uh was laughless. Uh no, no, the miss it one. No, I didn't. It's not that nice. No. no it's not sure. that nice. But it's... it's cool that there is one. I don't think the laugh laughless is the one I have. It's still in the box. Wizkid sent it to me and I never opened it. Um but because I don't have the space, also because I don't play in person tabletop mm. games. Uh but I will say like I I love me my Magic Gathering Dragon Commander deck, my my Ur Dragon deck. I love that deck so much. Um but that said, that was the last question that we had from, from Temporal Insanity. Um, Drew, I'm very excited for your new character for our game. Very excited. Um, I think I'm very excited to see everyone's reaction to your character. Um, I would like you to let me know, like, we can coordinate how you want me to introduce your character and everything like that. Um, yeah. We'll have to figure out, like, how that will actually fit in, like, to the flow of the session. But we'll introduce your character and we have a new objective uh, and it's going to be we have to go back to the south. We have to go all the back, all the way back down. Um, and then you're going to have to somehow get a boat, which I know we'll have to sort out again.
2: Maybe it'll be, I mean, didn't uh, we didn't we put our ship, ship out
0: on retainer like they're yes. they're 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 making money. Actually, by the time we get back, we should have like fat stacks of coin. That's true. You'll have to remind me tomorrow. But yes, that that is technically Why would true. I? My my character's from that is not there. Oh, you're the captain of that ship though. How will they react? That's for you to find out. <laughs> that's, yeah, well that that's for me to make up. Um yeah. maybe we'll have the return of Night Tide, my favorite chef.
2: Oh, jeez, uh, what a he's guy. He's the
0: worst NPC ever. Uh <laughs> just an edge lord who who thought he was a badass but really wasn't. But um, a good cook. But a good cook. But that said, um this has been No Dice, No Problem, the podcast where Drew and I talk about whatever we want. Maybe next month's episode will be Daniel and Drew Survive the Apocalypse and we could talk about post-apocalyptic T- TTRPGs. We could go through my bug-out bag. We could do all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really like that, you know, we don't have to focus on the heavy stuff with this show and that we yeah. can just kind of have fun and kind of bring our audience along on the, for the ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, but with that said, we'll see you folks next month, and uh, who knows what we'll talk about? Uh, you'll just have to you know stick around. Bye, everyone. Bye. love star wars but kind of wish you didn't then join us on the expounded universe podcast as we read through all the old star wars novels that took the galaxy far far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where han solo can punch a giant otter and luke skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of dinty Moore beef stew did you like princess leia well too bad now she's a space racist don't believe me you'll just have to listen to find out on expounded universe